0: We do have a potluck after the service this morning, and um, it'll be right after the the sermon. Otherwise, the food gets cold, so uh, we'll be eating up here. And so we'll just set some tables up and uh, bring all the food in. And some of it's downstairs, staying warm or cold or whatever. And, and um, we will. You're welcome to stick around for the potluck if you uh, if you can do that. We would love to have you. Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13 in a moment. Our text today is in that book of prophecy that shadows the content divisions of the body of Scripture, the entire body of Scripture. Um, I know that the chapter divisions were added later. The verse divisions were added later after the inspired writings. Um, But to me, it has always been a significant thing that Isaiah so closely models the pattern of all of Scripture with its 66 chapters. Um, Isaiah is considered to be the by many to be the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And in the first 39 chapters of his prophecy, Isaiah gives a generally powerful sense of judgment and glory that is reminiscent of the 39 Old Testament books. And then in the last 27 chapters, the theme seems to be more messianic than anything else, um, which is appropriate as a foreshadowing, at least, of the 27 books of the New Testament. And It's in this second section uh, we come to chapter 55 in which this exclamatory invitation stands out and grabs our attention to drink the water. Let's go ahead and read our text right away. Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage from the prophecy of Isaiah that does so powerfully invite us to the refreshing water of the Word, and does so powerfully um, challenge and invite the lost to the living water of Jesus Christ. God, if there is someone here today that has not yet come to that place in their heart where they recognize their deep thirst for a Savior, I pray that they would find one in Jesus Christ today. For those of us, Lord, that have been in your family for a while, Help us to realize the necessity of returning to the water of the Word on a regular basis that we might be better servants of Thee. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage really springs like a a fountain of living water from the pages of the Old Testament. It's reminiscent of the invitation of Christ on that great day of the feast as recorded by John. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You can see from this text and from Christ's own invitation that the water is to which we are encouraged to come is none other than Jesus Christ. From this New Testament record, we see that Jesus is the water to which he invites the Jewish feast goers. And and so he is also the water to which Isaiah invited the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And he's the water that this world needs as much today as ever before. This water of salvation that Jesus is, is the water that you need. If you drink of this water, the Bible says you will never again need salvation, because this is a one-time draught of our thirst. If you've ever enjoyed the water of life, there's there's another kind of uh, of water that you need on a regular basis. Once you have, once you drink of the water of life, and our text. Uh, clearly points that out in the last part of the text it refers to the water of the word that goes forth from the mouth of god and it and as it is sent forth like rain to accomplish it always accomplishes what he sent it forth to accomplish this is the the water of the word and it mean it, it's the means by which we are cleansed in life and the water it, it it's that water that we need for refreshing when we're struggling through a drought in our own uh, lives. And, quite frankly, to splash around in the same waters by which we learned of salvation is one of the greatest joys of the Christian life. We're called in our text to come to the waters. And from this I find our imperative for the day. Every person must drink the water. Every person must drink the water. We see... um, uh, What God means by this, that we are to drink the water of salvation and the refreshing water of the word. And I want to challenge you today to analyze your life and find out yourselves. Am I drinking the water the way God has commanded me to do so? In our text, I see the motivation and the practical instruction for obeying this command as well. I know that's a familiar pattern for you and we'll follow that pattern today we begin in verse 1 with the the first motivation for drinking the water of salvation as well as the refreshing water of the word and quite frankly the the um the motivation is the same for both and that's the same reason that you drink regular water as well you're thirsty <laughs> right I mean, you can see it right there in verse one, it says, "Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters I, I think uh, I think it's important to recognize this as a motivation and not deny our thirst for the water of the word or for the water of salvation in Jesus Christ. Christian and I we like to uh, we like to go backpacking, and we recently, as you recall, I know you've heard this story, but you'll hear it again. Um, our last backpacking trip was up the Lost Coast Trail and, and, um, we spent three days and two nights out in the, in the boonies and, um, we were, Mike dropped us off on Sunday night after church in the dark at, uh, campground and, um, Christian and I both had some water with us and I was just guzzling it like it was going out of style. I had preached all day so I was thirsty you know <laughs> he kept saying you know we probably ought to save that for the hike like, yeah now there's plenty of water I looked it up on the internet there's just there, there's a there is a there's a little stream after every in every ravine. So we're going to have plenty of water. we got our little water filter. We're going to have plenty of water. The next day, I think I had my water gone by the hip, by the time we hit the first ridge. And so as we hiked throughout the day, we'd get down to the bottom of the ravine. And sure enough, just like the Internet said, there is a place where there's a stream. There's no water in it. So we'd hike out of that first ravine and over the next ridge and into the next ravine, thirsty, and there's another dry stream bed. It looked like it had been dry a while. I was, it was, by noon, I was worried. My muscles were starting to uh, seize up, like you do when you get um, dehydrated, (laughs) And finally, we found a stream that had not uh, dried up. And let me tell you, it was all I could do to put that through the filter. <laughs> I just wanted to bury my head in that stream. I, I, I know something of thirst. I have uh, almost died in an attic once of, uh, <laughs> of dehydration. Um, and I, I know the signs, and I know I wasn't doing too good that day. But when we came to the water, it seemed almost like it was the best water I'd ever tasted in my whole life. <laughs> and my, my dad used to tell me, hunger is the best sauce, you know. <clears throat> Being thirsty will make that water taste really good. And and I I think that you have to learn to recognize when you're thirsty. I remember, for instance, that time in that attic in Santa Rosa. It was like a 100 and some degrees outside, and Lord knows what it was in the attic. I was miserable. I was sweating like a pig. My clothes were soaked, and I was crawling around doing electrical things. I don't even remember. But... um. (laughs) Then I, suddenly it seemed like everything kind of dried out. I felt what felt like a cool breeze. And I thought, this isn't so bad after all. That's right before you die, by the way, that you feel like that. Okay, so I learned to recognize, um, I, I did come out of that attic head first, unconscious, down the ladder. And the homeowner was a little bit worried. There's blood everywhere, and um, I don't know. That's not even in my notes, but <laughs> <laughs> but I <did. laughs> But it's helped me to recognize when I'm thirsty. You know, just because you think you're okay, you're not. You need to learn to recognize the signs of thirst. And and um, so the challenge that I'm bringing to you this morning to drink the water of of salvation, the water. Uh, uh, The living water as well as the water of the word is because you are thirsty and I mean to impress upon you that you are thirsty Scripture often often uses thirst as an illustration for the need that we all have for salvation for instance Jesus did this in his outreach to the woman at the well outside of Samaria Jesus answered and said unto her Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus knew that this woman longed for more out of life. And he meant for her to recognize her thirst for salvation. She was parched for the completeness uh, of the salvation that he offered her. He pointed out to her what every sinner including ourselves must hear that our sin has left us dry and dying. Sin is the mirage that leads the dying man or woman deeper into the desert to die further from the water that would save them. There seems... There might be some satisfaction to be found in that mirage. Y'all have seen that when on a really hot day, you see the mirage. You can see the glimmering water ahead, right? You can imagine when you start to kind of lose it, how you might imagine that to be a body of water that's going to help you and refresh you. That's the way sin works. You're in the desert and you're you're just dying of thirst, and the mirage leads you on deeper into the desert. There seems to be some satisfaction to be found in it, but in the end, it only assures our eternal demise. And if you're without Jesus, you are thirsty. And everything you've tried to, to quench your, everything that you have tried to quench the thirst of your soul will, will fail until you, know, you have no more opportunity to drink the water of life. You must drink the water because you're thirsty. And and once you avail yourself of that living water, according to Jesus, you'll never thirst again. That's what Jesus said. He spoke of the eternal security that salvation brings. It's not a stream to be revisited when you've expelled its goodness. The salvation that Jesus offers is permanent. That's why Jesus promised the lady, you'll never thirst again. He says, you only drink of the water of salvation once. Once a person has placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, then there's no more need to do so again. that that's the nature of the water of salvation that Jesus offers. However, there is a different kind of thirst with which every Christian should be able to identify. And it's the water of the Word. Isaiah chapter 55, in the last part here, speaks of, um, of, this, of God's Word as being this water to which we are invited. And, and it's meant to be used as a constant flow of nourishment and refreshment in life. As a child of God, whose soul is forever satisfied by the water of salvation, you know the godly thirst for His Word. And in many ways, it's like Jesus in the way a book is the reflection of its author. As Jesus is the water of life, so so this is much like Him as a reflection of its author. This water of the Word is the water that we need Because of sin in this world. And the water of the Word, the Bible says, is cleansing. But it cleanses our lives, whereas the water of, the living water of Christ, cleanses our souls. The Bible says that, um, the Bible speaks of this book as being cleansing water for our lives. It also quenches our thirst for meaning and guidance and wisdom and encouragement and peace and assurance and purpose and so much more. We come to this fountain because we are thirsty. We come every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Thursday evening we come because we're thirsty. Every day in our own private walk with God, we come to this book and we drink the water and we do it because we're thirsty. Don't pretend that you don't need it. Don't drink the brackish water of the world in hopes of replenishing what only the water of the word can provide. Drink the water because you are thirsty. This leads us to the second motivation in the text. And we find it in the very next verse. It's in verse 2. Whereat, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat you that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Let me tell you why we should drink the water of the word and the water of salvation. And that is because nothing else will satisfy There's nothing else in this life that is going to satisfy you the way this book will. I mean, there are things that are attractive. But there's nothing that will satisfy you like this book. So much energy goes into things that don't satisfy. Our text speaks of bread. You see that? It says, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Our text speaks of bread for which the reader has spent good, hard-earned money, only to find out that it's not bread at all. I remember once being sorely disappointed in an apple that I thought looked so delicious. We were at Grandma's house in Lytle Creek up in the San Bernardino Mountains. And I had been playing hard in the outdoors, and I came into the house to see that big, beautiful apple sitting with other types of fruits in a bowl on the living room coffee table. I was a bright kid. Upon reaching out to take hold of that juicy apple, I soon discovered it to be a hollow piece of plastic and not refreshing at all. And such is the disappointment of the person that tries to satisfy themselves with any means but Jesus and His Word in an attempt to quench the thirst for salvation or the ongoing refreshment that we all need in life. Look at verse 2. It says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? You, you're, you, you are n- making expenses in life. Lots of energy. Putting your hard-earned money and work into securing things that don't satisfy the way you thought they would. You ever bought something that just seems so awesome, like this is going to change my life? (laughs) Until you get it and realize, this is not what I thought it was. It's almost like they were just trying to sell it. Um, so, (laughs) I'm not looking at anyone. (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps, (laughs) perhaps you can see that those things have not brought the satisfaction that they promised. Today the world is filled with promises. But it's kind of light on fulfillment, isn't it? Our society seems desperate to quench a thirst that only Jesus and only his word can satisfy. You see people every minute or so checking some sort of electronic device. The iPhone has made it so much easier to... to find out what you're looking for. You don't even have to push a button anymore. All you got to do is this. You just tilt it up and it turns on. Because that was so hard, you know, to push a button to find out, oh boy, the hurricanes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, you see people every minute or so checking for some sort of fulfillment something to get them through just another hour or so of life. They pull out the smartphone every several minutes, hoping for something that's going to satisfy them. Surveys show that adults spend three to four hours per day on their smartphones. Isn't that something? I know. I, I, some of you are like, I got that beat. Yeah. <laughs> that is a... <coughs> That, that's a time that has been increasing over that over the last five years. You know, I wonder, if we spend a little time in that which is guaranteed to satisfy, we might not be so prone to look elsewhere so often. Look back, and just, if you think I'm picking on you, then... Um, and not picking on myself, then you don't know me that well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This digital leash yanks uh, against my collar pretty often. Look back to our text now for one more reason for drinking this water to which we are invited, and it is in verses 3 through 5, and that is that this water is prepared for you. Drink the water because you are thirsty. Drink the water because nothing else will satisfy and drink the water because it is prepared for you. Um, verses, the last part of verse 3 says, um, And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. What we have here is a promise of Jesus' birth. In verse 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. These verses speak of Jesus Christ and He was promised throughout the Old Testament times and realized in this age exactly as advertised. This isn't a fluke. It's not something that works for others but might not work for you. It's guaranteed to work for you because it was prepared for you. He is the Savior that God has provided and you are the one that He had in mind when He did so. Look at verse 5. You can see it speaks of how this Jewish Savior was meant for the whole world. He was prepared for you and you are part of the nations that he predicted would run to him for satisfaction and he would quench your thirst. So now we look for practical application of this command and we seek the direction for obeying this command to drink the water. We see That This command to drink the water is twofold. One, for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the command is to come to the living water and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior to drink in that way that they would never thirst again. And for the child of God, to those who have uh, uh, partaken of the water of life, for the child of God, this is a command: to drink the water of God's word on a regular basis, because you are thirsty, because nothing else is really going to satisfy you in life, and because the word of God is clearly and specifically prepared for you. So, how can we do this? How can we obey these commands? And the first one, we, the first um, instruction that we see to this end is in verse three. Look back. Um, we're in isaiah fifty five and just the first part of verse three says, incline your ear, everyone do that for me incline your ear it's like it's it's like a bird does when he's listening right incline your ear that's that that's what it's that's saying um, incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live <laughs> Isaiah sounds like any old-time prophet or modern-day preacher that means only to introduce people to Christ and His Word. Listen. Listen to me, he says. I've got something important to say that's going to give you life. If you are thirsty and you want what God offers in the way of refreshment, it's going to take some listening. Listening is one of those soft skills that is being eroded by a society that is obsessed with self. I don't want to get too far into the weeds at the end of my sermon, but I I I have studied how society has changed. And one of the changes that we we see very evident in our society is this erosion of soft skills. The ability to listen is one of those. And it is, quite frankly, because we are obsessed with self. We We have been convinced over the years that we are the most important person in the world. And what we think and feel... Is to be respected above anything anyone tells us, and people tend to drift away after just the first few lines, already looking to add their piece. I mean, you you know how this works. I'm a part of this culture too. All right, so I recognize, I recognize, (laughs) I recognize this uh, erosion of the ability to listen. There's little respect for an outside truth anymore. And this may sound a little geeky from a sociological perspective, but it's true. People are convinced that their feeling or thought has equal weight with whatever is being said. And their truth, their truth, that's a, a, a relatively new term over the last 50 years or so, is, is I've got my truth and you've got your truth, right? Um, which completely... Uh, erodes the entire idea of truth. But their, but their truth can actually modify what they're hearing in a way that's profitable. And they're convinced of this. This tends to erode relationships because it's based on such an overdeveloped sense of self-admiration that there's little room left for the respect of an out, outside truth or someone else's feelings. When it comes to benefiting from the water of salvation, the effect is like this. God's word begins to relate the truth about the sinfulness of man, and the hearer just immediately starts to check out. Adding, at least mentally, the exception that they are not as bad as most. And in doing so, they miss the part about everyone falling short of the righteousness of God. God's word goes on to describe the one and only way of salvation through Jesus Christ, and the hearer checks out again adding what they feel to be true, that there are a lot of religions in the world, and Christianity is just another one. And I can tell you're a big fan of it, so I'll let you continue, but uh, you know they have this little uh, addition to what's being said in their mind, because they've lost the ability to listen. The word of God demands repentance and complete faith in Jesus. And the hearer adds in their mind the assurance that they will themselves earn the eternal reward of heaven by maintaining good works. For they've already degraded Jesus to just another savior. The problem, and just so you know, I'm coming out of the sociological weeds now, um, is that people have forgotten how to listen. Listen to him when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen to that. Hear. Hear that truth. Don't don't add anything to it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For you to benefit from the water of life, you need to hear that. And, And I don't mean oh yes I know I'm a big fan of Jesus too no 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 you didn't hear that you started adding things in your head you started saying oh yes I know he's he's a he's a great savior and and um and he's going to be part of the salvation that, that... no 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 that's you, you stopped listening listen submit to the word of God that's part of what listening is I am the way the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the father but by me the first practical step towards drinking the water of salvation is to listen to his word. Look now to the second step towards drinking the water that we also desperately need. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. This verse reminds us of the reality of time. We understand that God is not bound by it, but we are. You know what that means? That the moment that has just passed will never be regained. And the opportunities in that moment, you may never see again. We must act or lose opportunity. For the lost, this means that God will not always draw them to himself. He specifically says this. The Bible tells us that God has great patience and He has great long-suffering. But but that God's patience is one of those few things about Him that is not everlasting. He makes this very clear. That He would not always strive with men. If you think that perhaps you'll wait until you are better suited for salvation than today, you may be missing your opportunity to drink the water. Do it now. Seek God early If you are a child of God and you've not found the time in your life for daily refreshment from the word know this And if it seems like I am just relating your thought processes it's because I've used this excuse myself all right If you think I am I plan on reading God's word every single day I just need to get my life to the place where I can do that. Eh? Am I convicting anyone? Oh yeah, I have been there. I know that thought process. But that time in your life when you are in a better position to study and learn from this book will never come. You must seek Him now. Seek Him early. Before anything else comes up, sacrifice something. Make him your priority. We have one more practical step here. It might be the hardest one, but it's clearly laid out in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The thing about drinking the water is that you don't get to undrink it. You ever swallowed something and then thought, well, I really wish I hadn't swallowed that and then tried to unswallow it? Yeah. See, that, that's the thing. The, 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 the illustration is Perfect. Because it, it is complete surrender. The whole illustration here is meant to impress upon us the need for repentance. For instance, and we have seen that this drinking the water applies to salvation as well as to reading the Word of God and getting our nourishment therefrom. And, and in salvation... This is required by Scripture to turn from our wicked ways in our embrace of the Savior. Repentance, the Bible says, is necessary for salvation. Otherwise, we're simply exhibiting a failure to fully trust in Him. In the application of His Word to our lives, I can tell you this, that actually drinking the water of the Word is a step towards repentance. You cannot take in the truth of God's Word and live happily in sin. Anyone here ever tried that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> if you have tried to do so, your time in the Word will become a complete farce. A self-defeating process by which you purposefully disallow it from nourishing your spirit. That, that, that's the thing about drinking the water as a Christian and recognizing your need for repentance as a Christian in life repenting from sin in your life sinful activities that you do you know repenting from those when you repent from those you stop doing them right that's just the definition of repentance and and if and if you if you drink the water if you read the word of god and your intent is not to stop sinning, then you're simply swishing and spitting. you, You follow me? You're not drinking. You're swishing and spitting. And you can swish and spit until you die of thirst. You see? But if you are drinking the water, You're repenting of your sin. So repenting of your sin is part of the practical instruction for drinking the water. To truly appreciate the benefits of the water of the word, you must repent of your sins. You will either stop sinning. That's a process, (laughs) alright? You will either repent or your time in the Word will become a complete farce. Finally, we look to the closing verses of our text. We have seen the practical instruction by which we can drink the water, whether it be the water of salvation or the water of His Word. We must listen to the Word. We must seek God early, and we, we must repent of our sin. And now, let's end on a positive note. How about that? Verses 12 and 13. These are awesome. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You want your life to be described by Isaiah fifty-five twelve. You want the mountains and the hills to break forth before you into singing. You want uh, uh, the trees of the field to clap their hands. You want to live in the joy of being submitted as submitted to God as nature is. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. We're talking about stability, replacing instability. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the life of one who has taken advantage of the water of life and the water of his word. So drink the water. You'll be glad you did we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, and perhaps the Holy Spirit has convicted you in one way or another. In order to drink the water, you must surrender all. Go ahead and stand. If, look, I, I want to talk to you if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you've not been born into His family, that's a one-time event in your life. It's a spiritual birth. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you have not um, been born into his family, I would like to show you from my Bible how you can drink the water of life this morning and never thirst again. Just come and sit in the front row while uh, while we sing this first stanza. And child of God, if you find yourself perhaps not drinking the water of his word the way he intended for you to do so, You make that commitment right now that you're going to do it just exactly the way the Bible has said to. And um, we'll sing this together as a hymn of commitment to him. All to Jesus I surrender. you for the water of your word by which you intend to nourish and strengthen and guide us. Help us all to determine that we will submit to you, surrender to you, and drink the water in Jesus' name.